0: Before I begin verse 21 of chapter 33, this book and the book prior to it is about all the kings of Israel. And starting with David, King David of Israel, the king before David, his name was Saul, really bad king, but he was the first king of Israel. David's the second king. And David's descendant would be Jesus Christ. David was told, one of your descendants is going to be the Messiah. He's going to be the Savior of the world. But in between David and Jesus Christ, there's a whole bunch of kings. And we've been studying um, second, First, and Second Chronicles. They're about all these kings. There's only eight of them that were good kings. Last week, we went Over the worst king in the history of Judah. His name was Manasseh. He reigned for 55 years. 55 years. It says during his reign, the city of Jerusalem was filled with blood, from innocent blood, rather, from one end of Jerusalem to another filled with innocent blood. He killed his own children and offered them up to God's. He, uh, he was just intensely evil. It says in chapter 33, verse 6, it says, He caused his sons to go through the fire. He practiced saying, used witchcraft, sorcery. He consulted mediums and spiritists, meaning he left God... His father, amazingly, was one of the godliest kings that ever was in Israel, Hezekiah. But he decided, no, I know a better way than my father. Does that sound familiar? Anyone know someone who said that about their dad? Most kids, most sons do. <laughs> and then they learn, out the, learn the hard way that uh, uh, they were wrong. And he said he knew a better way. And, and so it, he was just... It says he seduced, verse 9 of chapter 33, the rest of the inhabitants of Jerusalem to do more evil than the nations whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. So um, it was just a time. This is 55 years. This is not just a couple of years. 55 years. Well, not quite, because at the very end of his reign, a king, a foreign king, comes in, puts a hook in his nose. He, so he defeats Manasseh, he defeats the Israelites, puts a hook in the nose of Manasseh, and carries him away to a foreign land. When he's in jail, we read last week. You see what you missed last week if you weren't here? When he was in jail, it says, he cried out to the Lord. And said, Lord, I was wrong. Everything that I did was evil. I was wrong. And of course, of course, the Lord said, sorry, you've done too much evil. I'm not going to forgive you. No, that's not what the Lord said. We were all shocked when we read the Lord accepted him back after all that evil. And you think God's not going to forgive your sin? Just read about Manasseh. (laughs) Jesus Christ forgave the sins of the world before Everyone before, during, and after. The reason it was such a terrible scene on the cross with the Son of God says he was unrecognizable. He'd been beaten so bad. He'd been beaten up so bad when he was on the cross. They, they, um, the Bible says that you could not, someone who knew him on, uh, growing up or something, they wouldn't have even recognized him. Is that an ugly scene or what? The Son of God, unrecognizable, bloodied up on the cross. The reason it was so ugly, it was covering a lot of ugly sin. But your sin's not uglier than the sin of the cross. Neither was Manasseh's sin. So Manasseh comes back. He repents. He rips down all the foreign altars, the pagan altars, tears them all down. And you're like, I don't know. There's two guys in the Bible. One is Ahab and one is Manasseh. I'm like, it's it's, it's almost like, Lord, this is kind of sickening. Why did you let this guy back? That's because I have such a little, small view of the grace of God. God's grace is just so extreme. It's so abundant. It's so like nothing we've ever known. He forgives Manasseh. Now, that's where we pick up in verse 21, verse 20. It says, so Manasseh rested with his fathers, meaning he died. And they buried him in his own house. Then his son Ammon reigned in his place. His son Ammon reigned in his place. Now surely Ammon is going to go, Whoa, I'm going to learn from my dad. I'm going to follow God. I'm going to do just really good things. No, that's not what happened. He had grown up seeing all the evil and all the evil that his dad did And instead, he copied what his dad did before he came to God. Verse 22 says, He did evil in the sight of the Lord, as his father Manasseh had done. For Ammon sacrificed to all the carved images which his father Manasseh had made and served them. He did not humble himself before the Lord, as his father Manasseh had humbled himself. But Ammon trespassed more and more. Then his servants conspired against him and killed him in his own house. Just think what people are missing when they're not reading the Old Testament. I mean, you talk about high drama. <laughs> so the people came and they killed him. They killed the king. It's unclear why they killed the king. Uh, Every once in a while, one of the bad kings is killed by his own servants. I can, it only leads me to believe that they were being treated so bad and they saw the king do so much evil, they're like, forget it. I'm just going to kill the king. doesn't justify it at all, but his servants killed him. Verse 25, but the people of Israel executed, meaning they killed all those who had conspired against King Ammon. Then the people of the land made his son... Josiah king in his place. So, Manasseh, Manasseh's son Ammon. Ammon gets killed. Josiah, his son, reigns in his place. Josiah is the new king. It says Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. So he's only eight years old. That means that he had counselors around him who helped him until he was old enough to be king this by the way not only happens in in Israel this has happened you know throughout history when there were kings every once in a while a king would die and there's like a two-year-old who was king well the two-year-old had others around them who would help them until they got of age that's what happened to Josiah it says in verse 2 And Josiah did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And he walked in the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. Meaning, he was one good dude. This guy Josiah is one of the only people in the whole Bible where it's kind of like another guy named Daniel and also Joseph not Joseph, the father of Jesus, but the Joseph in the Old Testament. It looks like they—they they may have never. There's not, nothing recorded that they ever did anything wrong. Now, did where did they sin? Yes, but most of the people in the Bible, whatever—Moses, David, um, Hezekiah, uh, Abraham—they did some bad stuff, and that's why the Bible. We believe it because it doesn't it doesn't hide the sin the gross sin of some of the greatest people but Josiah it doesn't appear that he did um, he there's no recorded time where wow he messed up that's why it says here it says he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left now there is there is in chapter 35 we we see something that arguably some people say hmm wait a second Listen, it looks like he did something God told him not to do, but it's not clear. He was definitely a good king. Verse 3. In fr- Rather, for it says he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Verse 3. For in the eighth year of his reign, so when he's 16 years old, when he is 16, you may be sitting in here, I'm young, I don't have to follow the Lord yet. Well, then wrong. It says that when he was 16 years old, While he was still young, you guys circle that. While he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father David. And that's a big deal. When a kid's, we'll we'll see later on in this chapter, it says people, people, there's certain people who followed God. But you can follow God and never seek God and those are two two completely different things there was in John chapter six in the New Testament there's six, thousand people following Jesus and it appears that as soon as they found out that huh giving, Je- giving my life to Jesus really means giving him control of my life over five it looks like five thousand nine hundred and eighty-eight turned around and left, and just the twelve apostles were left. They were followers of Jesus Christ, but they were not seek, they didn't seek him, meaning with their heart. It says Josiah sought him with his heart. And we talk, we've been talking a lot about this word seek. Seek the Lord is really what God wants from you. He doesn't want you to imitate him. And we've said this many times on, on Sunday morning, right? Christianity is not about imitating Jesus. It's about what? Seeking, that's right. But it's about Jesus living through you. And so that's why in Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Jesus who lives through me. The life I live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who died for me and um, who loved me and died for me and so um, he's not just imitating the ways of his father uh, of God he's just saying, Well let me find out what the laws are and i'll do those laws no he he wants to, he's seeking God in the sense that i want to know you God i want to find out about you i want a relationship with you i i want to hear from you uh, i i i i i want you That's that's what seeking God means as opposed to, well, just tell me what rules I have to follow and I'll follow them. That's not Christianity. That's not, that's just dead man-made religion. It will get you nowhere. It It says here about Josiah, it says he began to seek the God of his father David And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the wooden images, the carved images, and the molded images, meaning they had these little statues, these little idols that people used to bow down to, even sacrifice their own kids to, meaning kill their kids to, Um, um, and he began, Josiah went out. And he began to clear the whole country. He's 16 years old. And you can believe there's a lot of people older than him. Like, who is this dude? Who is this guy? Who does he think he is? Getting rid of all our um, all our little statues that we really like in, in, in the land. And so he starts doing that. Verse 4: He broke down the altars of the Baals. The Baals are a type of false God. They're they're a type of idol. That they used to to set up and bow down to. They broke down the altars of Baal in his presence and the incense altars which were above them. So they used to, like, you know, burn incense and worship these other gods and this stuff like that. And it says, He cut down and the wooden images, the carved images, and the molded images, He broke in pieces. He made dust of them and He scattered it on the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. I mean, this is intense. He ground up these statues. He, whatever, they were made of concrete or whatever, they clay or whatever. He b- b- got them into powder. Um, he d- drove them into powder, and then he scattered them over, it says, the graves of the people who would sacrifice to these false gods. So the, here's what's going on there. One of the things they used to do is they used to have these idols on the side of the road. Um, I don't know how many of you have, have been in other countries where they do that. I uh, g- grew up on and off in Venezuela, and you'd, they'd have these little idols by the side of the road. People would uh, worship them. Well, what the, they used to do, the people who worship the idols, they say, I want to I I be buried right around this, this idol. And so there's these tombstones all around um, this, this idol. Josiah grinds up the thing that was being worshipped, this false god, this idol, and then he grinds it up into powder and this puts the powder over everyone's um, grave site that had decided to be buried there. It was a statement to all the people that this is, uh, I'm just going to defile what's defiled. I'm, I, I'm just really, I, he, he's trying to send a message out, what has been going on in this country is not okay. Verse Five. He burned the bones of the priests on their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. So there, there were these priests, like voodoo priests. We talked last week about voodoo priests. In, in Haiti, we, uh, I've, been, I've been to Haiti many, many, many times. Voodoo has destroyed the country. And there's these voodoo priests. What, what he did um, is he, wa- he was making a statement to the whole country because uh, basically like Haiti is, is, is under so much calamity today because of their religion, I believe, I mean, there's other factors too, but the, I think most Christians will believe that that is first and foremost, That's probably the, is the issue of why the country is in so much trouble. The, 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 he, 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 these priests had died, he, their bones were buried, he, he, he digs up their bones and, and he burns the bones of the priests on their altars, and it says he cleansed judah and jerusalem he's just he he, he's making a statement to everyone this is not okay and then he says in verse six he says so he did in the cities of manasseh ephraim and simeon as far as Naphtali, and all around with axes (laughs) this guy is intense so we've said this before here he's going outside the boundaries of his own kingdom and he's going up into other areas now because by this time it's just to, the, the, the tribe of Judah and Benjamin in the south. That's it. That's the whole kingdom of Israel at this point. He goes up into these other areas outside where the former 10 tribes of Israel were and he burns up the bones of those priests and he does the same thing. Now amazingly, we were, we were in this before but in in the book of um, oh my did I lose it in the book of um, I think it's First Chronicles chapter thirteen. Whoa 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 whoa! How did I lose that? No, yep, yeah, nope, that's not it. Hmm 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 hmm. Just one second here. I lost my marker. Or is it second Kings? First Deuteronomy? Uh, First Kings chapter 13. There we go. In 1 Kings chapter 13, about 300 years earlier, was it 300? Maybe 250 years earlier. So 250 years before Josiah even lived, he's burning up, he's burning up the bones of priests. Josiah is. 250 years earlier, right after the kingdom uh, was split the, uh, between the southern Israel where there was two tribes in northern Israel, where there was ten. The king of the northern ten tribes was this guy named Jeroboam. And he had this altar, also an altar. It was was not an an altar to, to Yahweh, the God of the Bible. And some prophet goes up to the altar and prophesies against it and says... O altar, altar, thus says the the Lord, Behold, a child, Josiah by name, shall be born to the house of David, and you, he shall sacrifice the priests of the high places. Rather, on you, he shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you, and men's bones shall be burned on you. This is what happened 250 years earlier. A prophet prophesied that 250 years from now, there's gonna be this 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 kid, Josiah, a king. And he's gonna take you priests, he's gonna take all your bones and he's gonna burn them. And he's gonna take the ashes and he's gonna throw them on this altar. That was 250 years earlier. See, in the Bible you have these prophecies of things that are gonna happen in the future. And so today we're actually reading about how they all come to fruition. And so, um, and so they come to, to, to fruition here in this, in this chapter where he's burning the bones of these priests. So in verse 7 he says when he had broken down the altars and the wooden images ha- and he had beaten the uh, carved images into powder and cut down all the incense altar throughout all the land of Israel he returned to Jerusalem. And so... He did it himself, With like he was present. He's the king, and he could have said, hey, you guys, uh, generals, colonels, captains of the army, go off and destroy all these pagan false god altars, but he didn't do that. He actually went personally to these places and did it. Verse 8, in the 18th year of his reign, when he had purged the land and the temple... He sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, Messiah, the governor of the city, and Joah, the son of Johaz, the recorder, to repair the house of the Lord his God. So remember his grandfather Manasseh reigned for 55 years and for 95% of the time was incredibly evil. And the temple of God, meaning the church at the time, just crumbled apart because no one cared about it. No one was going there really other than to worship a false god. And the the temple in that 55-year period had fallen apart. It's a very sad thing when churches begin to fall apart because no one's going to them today. And it was a sad thing then, but this king comes in and he he orders a bunch of people, listen, you guys need to go to the church, which at this point, it's not the church, it's the temple, and repair it. Verse 9, when they came to Hilkiah, the high priest, they delivered the money that was brought into the house of God, which the Levites who the church workers, who kept the doors had gathered from the hand of Manasseh and Ephraim, from all the remnant of Israel, from all Judah and Benjamin, and which they had brought back to Jerusalem. Then they put it in the hand of the foreman who had the oversight of the house of the Lord, and they gave it to the workmen who worked in the house of the Lord to repair and restore the house. So they got a whole bunch of money Instead of like going out on the weekend and partying with it or whatever, God loves a party from time to time. He really does. He orders, in the book of Deuteronomy, He orders them to have parties as long as He's the center of the party. But this this money wasn't used for parties. It was used to repair the church. Repair the temple here. It says, verse 11, "...they gave the money to the craftsmen and builders to buy hewn stone." and timber, meaning wood for beams, and to floor the houses which the kings of Judah had destroyed, meaning the church, the temple, had been basically destroyed. And so this young king, he's just about 16 to 20 years old now, he's ordering everyone, listen, we got to return to God, build the house of God back up again. Verse 12, the men did the work faithfully. Their overseers were Jehath and Obadiah, the Levites, I have a grandson by the name of Obadiah. Does everyone know that? Anyone know how many Obadiahs there are in the Bible? There's like six. You ask my son Sam, like, which one is he named after? I don't think he has a good answer for that. But they're they're all good guys. These these guys, Obadiah, um, who's my grandson. He's four years old. Of the sons of Merari, Zechariah, Meshulam of the sons of Kohath to supervise others of the Levites, all of whom were... Now this this is an unusual, unusual verse right here. Others of the Levites, all of whom were skillful with instruments of music, were over the burden bearers, meaning the construction workers, and were overseers of all who did work in any kind of service. So the bunch of musicians were the supervisors of the construction labor union. Now, I don't know what's going on here. Like, I don't know if, like, they're working on the temple, like, with hammers, and their supervisors and bosses are playing the flute or the guitar. I have no idea. Singing? I don't know. It's like an unusual verse. Like, what's up with this? A bunch of musicians are put over the laborers. And I imagine that there was music. Anyone, like, here working to, like, Real great music. I mean, I I, I I used to do that a lot more than I do today. But um, that's why these guys were 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 like with hammers and sledgehammers and stuff like that. They had their bosses playing music for them, apparently. End of verse thirteen. And some of the Levites were scribes, officers, and gatekeepers. Verse fourteen. Now, when they had brought out the money that. Was brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. He found the Bible. In in other words, so they're repairing the church, they're repairing it. And it says, they found the Bible. Like, what? What's that about? The Bible had been lost. These guys didn't, they did not have a Bible. That's how bad, remember, 55 years the evil king had reigned. 55 years. In that time period, they didn't care about the Bible. The Bible wound up being just lost somewhere in the temple. It says they found the book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. That's how lost the country was at that time. During that 55 years where it says of Manasseh, one side of Jerusalem to the other was filled with innocent blood. They certainly had lost their Bible. It's like murder was okay of innocent people. The Bible had been lost. You wonder why sometimes, you guys wonder, you wonder why sometimes things get so bad out there? So much evil? It's because the Bible has, it's not in people's houses anymore. It's not read anymore. It's been, lo- and, and here, here, here's the deal. Even in churches, it's not found. I grew up in churches where I never remember the, 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 the teaching of the word of God being emphasized and and the, and the word of God being actually taught as it's all true. The whole Bible, it was true. I remember my, my pastor, I was 12 years old. I remember specifically him preaching to the congregation that there's no such thing as hell. That was my pastor. And I remember him saying, there's no such thing as hell. Hell is, like if you live a real bad life on earth, when you get to heaven, you're not going to like it. It's going to be hell for you. This is from a pulpit. I, this is what I heard growing up. <laughs> In a sense, the Bible had been lost. In many churches, it's the same thing. The Bible's been lost. They're not they're not reading it anymore. And then we wonder why things get so crazy in churches and, 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 in, and out of, in, in and outside the church. They found the book of the law, verse 14. Verse 15, then Hilkiah answered, this guy Hilkiah, he's a priest. Remember, this is the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we have one priest. His name is Jesus Christ. But um, in the Old Testament, the, the Jews had their many different priests. This guy, Hilkiah, verse 15, answered and said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. I found the Bible. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan. Shaphan carried the book to the king, bringing the king word, saying, All that was committed to your servants they are doing, meaning they're building, they're rebuilding the house of God. Verse 17, and they have gathered the money that was found in the house of the Lord and have delivered it to the hands of the overseers and the workmen, meaning we're spending all this money, they have the money, they're rebuilding the church, the temple. Verse 18, then Shaphan, rather Chafin, the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book, meaning the Bible. And Shaphan read it before the king. Thus it happened when the king heard the words of the law, when he heard the words of the Bible, that he tore his clothes, meaning he's filled with fear. He's like, what is going on here? We haven't obeyed the word. We haven't been obeying the Bible. It says, he tore his clothes. Then the king commanded Hilkiah, Hakim, the son of and Abdon, the son of Mekah, Shaphan the scribe, and Isaiah, a servant of the king. Verse 21, go inquire of the Lord for me, meaning go and, and speak to God for me, and for those who are left in Israel and Judah concerning the words of the book that is found, for great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out on us because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do according to all that is written in this book. So it's read to him, and he realizes half this Bible we have not been following, and we are in big, big trouble. Now, it's one thing that's amazing, if it, this hasn't occurred to you, is that all the stuff that he's done before now, he's torn down idols. He didn't even have the Bible. It's like, it, 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 they, 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 he was a righteous guy. He had learned from uh, his, the, apparently he was surrounded by godly men and women who were telling him, okay, this is what we've heard is the right thing to do. But they actually didn't have the book of the law. Of course, when they say they found the Bible, it's probably about a third of this. But 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 it, because it, the, the Bible was written over centuries and centuries, by this time, you know, we, there's probably even less than a third that, that that was there. But that that says a lot about this guy. That that he was hearing from God's Spirit. He's hearing from the Holy Spirit. That he needs to go out. And destroy all those idols he did it before he even found the bible but then when he found the bible it said he was he tore his clothes he was filled with fear it says great is the wrath of the lord meaning god's really angry at us and it says great is the wrath of the lord that is poured out on us meaning the anger of god is going to come and he is going to destroy the city because we have been very evil and so like what might have he been looking at at this time? I, you know I don't I don't know for sure um, what he has been what he's looking at at this time. Um, it's possible that he is reading um, Deuteronomy twenty-eight, which is the law, which says in verse fifty-eight, "If you do not carefully observe." all the words of this law written in this book. It says, the Lord will bring on you plagues, sicknesses, diseases of Egypt. He says, you will be left few in number. The Lord will uh, scatter you among all the other nations from one end of the earth to the other. Um, it says that among those nations you'll find no rest, you won't be able to sleep basically, uh, nor shall you have a resting place, but he will give you a trembling heart, failing eyes and anguish of soul. So Josiah is reading that and it's like, what <laughs> this is going to happen to us because we have been disobeying all of this and and he says to his his people that work for him, please go and speak with the prophet and ask them what's going to happen to us because we're clearly in big trouble is what is going on here. On Sunday mornings, we are in the book of Galatians, and in Galatians, it says, in Galatians chapter um, 3, verse uh, 24, it says, The law, meaning the Old Testament law, is a tutor that brings us to Christ so that we might be saved. What that means is the law, like what Josiah was reading, when we read it, it forces us to cry out for a Savior. It forces us to cry out to God and say, forgive me, save me. That's what it does. When you, when you read the law, it's like, wait a second, I haven't, I haven't been obeying any of this. And then when you re- read the penalty for the law, which is death and hell, that will drive you to God saying, please, somehow, save me. Because I'm going to hell based upon everything that this book says. And it's at that point that Jesus says, well, ask me to come into your life knocking on the door of your heart if you ask me in and you give up your right to your own right to your own life and say God Jesus Christ come in and save me Jesus, Jesus says in Revelation 3.20 I will come in and I'm going to dine with you I'm going to have a meal with you meaning he'll have a relationship with us the law is a tutor you know how some some people have tutors in school, but this tutor the law brings you to Jesus Christ. It, it it says, "Listen, you need you need Jesus Christ." Is 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 what the law does, and so that's what happened to Josiah here. He's driven to the Lord. He's like, "Go find a prophet. Find out what's going to happen to us, because we are in big trouble." Verse twenty two. So Hilkiah and the king had. So Hilkiah and those the king had appointed went to Huldah the prophetess. There are not only male prophets in the Bible, there's female prophets called prophetesses. You guys remember Philip in the New Testament? He had four daughters, they were prophetesses. Well, here's a prophetess. Her name is Hulda. I don't know why. I just love saying that name, Hulda, Hulda. I don't understand why none of you women have named your children Hulda. We do have a few pregnant women right now in the church. Um, it, you know, they 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 can they, they can do it, Hulda. Adiola's next child, next girl, Hulda. Hilda or Hulda. Hilda. Okay. So anyway, her name is Hulda, the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tokath. So you know what's cool about what I think about this? If someone like, if someone at your work or whatever. Ask someone else at your work, you know, I really want to find, about, find out about who God is. Is your name going to be brought up? Oh, I, 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 there's this guy named Eldon, and I know he knows God. Let's go to him. Is that you? I, actually, I know that would happen with Eldon at, at his workplace. Are you known as, a, as someone who, who loves Jesus Christ? This is who we want to become. Remember that glorious verse we were on Sunday morning? Paul said, my dear children, for whom I labor in birth until Christ is formed in you. That's the purpose of our life, for Jesus Christ to be formed in our life, for us to be transformed into the likeness of Christ as Jesus is living through us. And as that happens over time, because it doesn't happen overnight, when the question about how to find God comes up in your, whatever, neighborhood, in your, amongst your relatives, amongst your workplace, because, oh yeah, I know Gio, this, this guy named Gio. And he knows about Jesus Christ. Let's go and, and talk with him. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? That 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 this woman had this reputation. What's really interesting to me is almost certainly the prophet Jeremiah was alive at this time. Jeremiah went to Josiah's funeral. Um, so we know that the prophet Jeremiah, who a big old book, which is a wonderful book, the book of Jeremiah, was alive. But I don't know if he was away, I don't know if maybe he was in Jerusalem, but they went to this woman. Her name was Hulda. It, uh, it says that she was the wife of Shalem, the son of Tokah, the son of Harash, keeper of the wardrobe. We're not talking about like this rich, wealthy, influential woman. Some guy who kept the wardrobe, meaning he kept the clothes for the king. He was like in charge of the king's clothes or someone's clothes it doesn't it's it's not clear who there was this guy in charge of uh, of someone's clothes <laughs> his wife was gifted she had a gift and it was to be uh, she was a prophetess meaning she heard from the lord In the New Testament, we are told that one of the gifts that we can have as born-again Christians is the gift of prophecy. Now, usually prophecy just doesn't necessarily mean predicting the future. It does in this case, by the way. We'll see that. But it just means declaring forth the word of the Lord for a specific group of people or a specific person. That's listed in, is it 1 Corinthians 12, where that's listed as one of the gifts that you can have. And it says you should ask for it. Actually, the apostle Paul says everyone in this room should ask for the gift of prophecy. It, it says it. Go look. It's in First Corinthians twelve, or is that fourteen? One of those two chapters, twelve, verse twenty-three. It's ended verse twenty-two. So they spoke to her to that effect. They went. So what is up? Uh, we found the book of the law. The book of the law says the ang- God's really angry at the city for all the bad things that um that we have done so they asked her so what's going to happen to us so she said oh don't worry about it god would never ever do something bad god would never do something like that unfortunately that's what we find in many churches throughout the united states of america god's holy and he means business. <laughs> he doesn't just put the law of the Bible into place and say, oh yeah, and if you violate the whole thing and you basically spit on it and trample on it and do whatever you want, oh no, there's not going to be any consequence for that. No, that's not, it's not what the Bible says. He created the, he created the universe. He created um, the world. It, 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 this, is, this is his backyard, not our backyard. We can't just trash his backyard and expect that, it, that uh, nothing's going to happen. And so, boy, does Hulda give it to him. Let's read what she says. Oh, my. Verse 24, Thus, uh, this is Huldah speaking, the prophetess Hulda. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring calamity, meaning really bad stuff, on this place and on its inhabitants, all the curses that are written in the book, which they have read before the king of Judah. I just read some of those curses. Plagues, sickness, disease, and that they will be dragged away from the city and scattered among every nation in the world. She says it's all going to happen. Verse 25. Because they have forsaken me, meaning they've rejected me, And they burned incense to other gods that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hand. Therefore, my wrath, meaning my anger, is going to be poured out on this place and not be quenched. Meaning it's not going to be put out. And this would happen within how many years? Not too many years from this time. Jerusalem is going to be completely demolished. And all its not all its people. Everyone except the poor are going to be taken prisoner, put in chains, and taken to. Well, they're going to be this group is going to be taken to Babylon. But 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 they you know the Jews uh, eventually between what happened in the north and the south, they're they're all around the world. And she says that's going to happen. Josiah, King Josiah, he's done all these good things. And um, she, says, she says, but this is going to happen to all, of, all the kings. But, but look at verse 26. But as for the king of Judah, meaning as for Josiah, who sent you to inquire the Lord in this manner, you shall speak to him. Thus says God of Israel, concerning the words which you have heard. Because your heart, king, was tender, and you humbled yourself before God when you Heard his words against this place and against its inhabitants and you humbled yourself before me and you tore your clothes and you wept, you cried before me. I also have heard you, says the Lord. Surely I will gather you to your fathers and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace. Meaning you will die in peace. And your eyes will not see this calamity which I will bring on this place and its inhabitants. So they brought back word to the king. Meaning, I am going to pour out my judgment on this place for what they have done. But because of you and you seeking me with all your heart. It says, because your heart was tender before me. You know, in the Bible, you have two kinds of hearts, right? Hard hearts the Bible repeatedly speaks of people who have hard hearts, meaning they don't listen to God, and then there's people who have softer tender hearts, and meaning their their hearts are open and tender to what the Word of the Lord is saying and she says, this prophetess says to this prophetess says to um, to, to to Josiah because your heart was soft, it was not hard and you came to me this is not going to happen in your lifetime. you will go to your grave in peace, meaning there will be peace um, in Israel and so um, so what's going on at this time is that there was... It wasn't a it wasn't a a widespread revival. It was right just the king and maybe a few others who were really having turned to God in this time, but everyone else is sort of doing their own thing. So they brought um, back the word to the king. Verse twenty nine. Then the king sent and gathered all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. The king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. The priests and the Levites, great people, great and small. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which had been found in the house of the Lord. Meaning, he actually, he actually instead of just saying, oh God is just going to uh, destroy this place and these people, I, I'll just let the people be judged, let them all go to hell. No, he doesn't do that. He actually makes all the people come to Jerusalem, and he personally reads the law to them. And from time to time, I see this mentality in the church, not in our church, but the larger church, and there's certain doctrines that can lead people there, where They just look out at the world and like they're so they're all so evil. They're all going to hell. I'm not going to tell anyone about Jesus. They're all just all going to hell. We're never told to be like that. We're told to go tell people about Jesus. Tell people about salvation. Uh, Whether or not they're going to accept it, that's what we that's we learn throughout the Bible. So he goes and he he reads um, this verse 31. Then the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord, to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statute with all his heart, with all his soul, to perform the words of the covenant that were written in this book. And he made all who were present in Jerusalem and Benjamin take a stand. So the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. Thus Josiah removed all the abominations from all the country that belonged to the children um, of Israel, and made all who were present in Israel diligently serve the Lord their God. All his days they did not depart from following the Lord God of their fathers. So notice how he makes everyone recite a covenant, meaning a pledge. Yes, we will follow God. But there was a problem they were saying they were going to do it, but their heart was in a different place. As opposed to Josiah, verse 31, it says there in the middle, it says he pledged to keep God's commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and with all his soul. The problem is you can, you can get people to pledge themselves to follow God, but it doesn't mean it's going to be in their heart. So he got the people to obey the law to obey the bible but their heart wasn't there. So Hulda, the prophetess Hulda said for that reason judgment is going to come upon this land and it would it, it's it's going to a short time after this chapter judgment's going to come on the land Jerusalem's going to be destroyed Israel's going to be destroyed and um They're going to be longing for a Savior, Jesus Christ. They're going to be longing for him all the more after the judgment. And so, um, there we have it. Chapter 34, the law is a tutor that drives us to Jesus Christ and that's what happened here with Josiah. He read the law and it just made him all the more say, wow, do I need the grace and mercy of God because I haven't followed it. And that's what it does. And, and we thank God because Jesus Christ obeyed all the law for us. That's what the Bible says. So we're not gonna go to heaven based upon following the law ourselves. We're gonna go to heaven based upon giving our heart to Jesus Christ who obeyed the law on our behalf and then he went to the cross and died for us because the Bible says that the penalty for us not obeying the law is our death and hell but Jesus experienced death and hell on the cross and it says after three days he rose from the dead just to confirm that everything everything that he said was true but so that's the this is the Old Testament it's all pointing to the future to a time where Jesus was going to come in and save the world